welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. That was my book. I don't know if anyone heard about it or not. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is C.J. Reynolds. Um, welcome back. It's Sunday, 1 p.m. can only mean, well, it can mean a lot of things for a lot of people. But for us, it means that we're doing Sunday Night Teacher Talk. And that is... Um, I love it. That's what we do. That's what we do on Sundays. Yeah. It is like a part of the rhythm of the week where we show up, we meet one another, um, and create the safe space for, for teachers to grow into the teachers that they are called to be. So um, that, that's that's kind of the game here. Uh, I forget what else I was going to say. One, I want to say really quickly, I want to thank um, two people, two groups of people. One, Last week we were, I told everyone about uh, my friend Vivette Dukes, who you can find on Instagram. Um, she also runs, she runs an organization called Speak Your Truth, and she's also a teacher in uh, up in Manhattan. And so she has this like kind of like tragic and beautiful story of um, dealing with incarceration within her family and the effects that, that has on a family. So her husband was incarcerated for many years and she talks about this. She, I mean, she gives talks about it and talks about like the effects that incarcer mass incarceration have on families and on children. And so she and her husband are now um, part of their, what their organization's doing is, is collecting uh, food. They're, they're buying food with donations and then they're delivering it to families that one have been impacted by mass incarceration and two have been impacted by the coronavirus. And so um, a bunch of people donated to her organization last week. And, you know, we, so to give you an idea, um, there was a hundred dollar donation and we asked like, like what kind of what, give us a sense of like what that does. What was it? Was that groceries six for the families. week? Groceries for the week for six families for a hundred bucks. Like that was so mind blowing to me. So if you have um, the ability, if you know someone has the ability, if this is something that's on your heart, please consider uh, sharing with her. You can go rate, onto her Instagram uh, account, Speak Your Truth, and you can find the Venmo there. Even if you have like $5, like we were saying, like if there's $5 from like, she knows, say, how to, she knows how to make it stretch. And she's done a really great job yeah. of like figuring out what she can buy for groceries for a family to like stretch it and like fill their needs for yeah. at least healthy, like organic. And, and, and that, like, so that was one of the things like I thought was desert, so cool right? was like, like, was that it's all healthy yeah. stuff where it's like, trying to make sure folks are getting like fruits and vegetables and things that they have, but that will also, you know, fill their bellies. Cause you can buy a bunch of kale, but ain't nobody sitting there eating some <laughs> kale out of a bowl. Maybe some now people need to get are. her to add some recipe cards. Up there. I know. Hello fresh. <laughs> yeah, Hello. Duke style. I know. That'd be awesome. Man, Hello fresh. It's a game changer. Um, so that, that, that's one thing too. Uh, for all the folks that are buying merch, right, that go to our store, you go to realrapperthrenals.com, the store, I just really appreciate it. Because um, what that what people don't realize is that what that does also is it doesn't just get you like some sweet merch, um, like this new shirt that's coming out this week, Teaching as a Calling. I love wearing shirts that have my head on it. That just cracks me up. It just makes me, it just makes me laugh. Um, so it is, it allows us, it supports us in our efforts to one, to like, love our family and take care of our family and two to love others like to be able to give to organizations to be able to help students so like whenever you buy stuff just know that like that purchase is really like 
affecting us in such a positive way and it allows us to like show up and to make content like this and to pay for all the stuff that needs to happen and to pay for the team that's making this happen right now. It's not just me. It's a number of us all over the place. So like, I really, really appreciate that. And I just wanted to take a moment and thank everyone. So, um, that said, you got some questions. Yeah, if man, you, there's a lot. If this is your first time, what's going on with this hair here? Some kind of crazy hair situation going on here. If this is your first time here, um, here's the gig. You can ask anything you want. It could be about anything like, you know, we, we, we're geared around education, but like we realize that education has like the parameters that are really stretched, especially this year. So questions about anything that you want, um, you just put them in the chat. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can put them there. And then Laura, Laura sends them to Edie, who sends them to Jenny, who sends them to me, or you can do a rate on YouTube, uh, whichever one you want to do. Um, or you can follow the link in the description below if you're on YouTube. Uh, I think this is, you can only see this on YouTube. I don't know if you can see it yeah, on Facebook. It's on everywhere. Okay, so mm -hmm. you follow the links and then you can show up and speak live to me and we can hash some stuff out too. So that's a wrap. What All you got, right. buddy? We got some questions. Go for it. Uh, I'm going to read them first and then because it's a couple of parts. So Catherine Moxley is saying, what's up, fam? Enjoyed uh, you during the professional development web webinar on oh, Wednesday. Right. Thank you. Uh, question. I was just told next year we are going from partial self-contained uh, SPED classes to full inclusion style classes. Any advice? I've never experienced full inclusion. Part two of that question um, any professional development or YouTube channels you can recommend to go along with that topic, middle school uh, level inclusion? I don't, I don't think I don't anyone, know if there's a specific YouTube there should be. channel for like um, special ed or inclusion. All right, or so I don't have an answer for that, but I can point you to someone who might. We also don't know everybody who's in the teacher world on but YouTube because it's growing who does? so vast. Who keeps their finger on the pulse of YouTube? Darren. Darren Nakigahara. So can you throw his, uh, do you have a second? Is that possible? Yeah, All right, so throw his uh, YouTube channel in the chat. Um, so Darren is like, um, he's, Darren keeps up with everybody. Yeah, Darren knows, Darren knows every channel. Why? He knows everything that's going on on YouTube. He knows everybody's story. He's hung out with a ton of people and met them in real life. And like, he is like, uh, he gets around. He's like the Ferris Bueller of friggin' YouTube. And so, um, I don't know, but if you leave him a comment or if you like follow send him a message on send, Instagram, yeah, just DM on Instagram, like he'll be able to point you towards people if they, if they exist. Um, to your question, you know, I, we, we have, I get, we do have full inclusion classrooms at our school and they're just called small groups. So like some kids will get taken out of my literature class if they really need help. And then they'll be put in the classroom with like three to six kids and they work on very specific skills to help kids out. Um, our, my classes are, most of them are, uh, like special ed inclusion. So it's like a co-talk class where we have two teachers in the room. If you're going to do it, it's, I mean, it, I think it depends on the law of where you live, but like, it's gotta be more than one teacher. Like it's just never going to work if it doesn't, because what that allows you to do is some of the things that we do is like, uh, so I'm the primary teacher or, um, so the last couple of years it's been, um, uh, Kayla has, has taught with me. And so Kayla will, either take certain moments of class and teach them she will um like and then i'll teach others or 
I'm sort of the main in the front teacher running us through what's happening today, giving instructions and direction and stuff like that. And Kayla's job is to sort of float around the class to make sure that kids understand, to make sure that kids are, their needs are met, that if they're aggravated about something, if they need a moment, like she can sort of facilitate a lot of that sort of, uh, th those needs. And then for things like testing, right? Like some guys just need a long guys because teach all guys, but like some students just need more time and direct attention when doing any sort of assessment. So when we have tests on Fridays, we'll just split the class. She takes a small number. And then sometimes those are guys that she has to read through the test with. She has to help with, she has to eliminate other answers, even though the test has already been modified, she will help those students to try and find success in those moments. Um, and sometimes kids that are behavioral issues will kind of go her way too, because she can help mitigate that or, or, or lessen, like she, we know what the tells are, right? So like we can sort of help kids in those, in those places and spaces. And then I stay with the students that are generally going to test faster because what you don't want is someone that like, there's such an anxiety when people start finishing and you're not done and you're not even halfway done or you don't understand the questions and then you just give up. So what we're trying to do is get in front of that. So, but having two teachers allows us to be able to do that. So, you know, I, I just think, I think it's a good thing, but I am, I just really like I think inclusion is okay. Like, and I know that is not a popular stance in education, and a lot of people don't believe it. But I think there's something to like kids being in those rooms. But I think it leads to a, what I've seen is a lot of self-deprecating behavior, a lot of giving up, a lot of like guys that aren't thinking, students that aren't thinking um, so quickly. Like, there's like their processing speed is a bit slower. Doesn't mean it's any less. It just takes them a minute to get to that point. Whereas other kids are rocking and rolling in class. And I think that that can be damaging uh, to students' behavior. So when we have kids that are rocking it in class and have like really great grades, they're processing much quicker, like um, we tend to move them out of our classes. And so we are left with like a core of individuals that are like really need to be there because we're going to pour it on uh, thick. So yeah. I have something to say to all this. Please. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, presenting. And so for those of you who don't know, our son does have um, some special needs and is dyslexic and amongst a bunch of other things. Um, he was in an inclusion class. I really, as a mom and as a parent, I really liked the inclusion class. Um, what I found to be really difficult was, so whatever the SPED teacher was in there, that their job was to help facilitate all children, right? Like, but they're, so nobody really knows who the technically, like, who you're the, not supposed to know. You're yeah. not supposed to know who the SPED kid is. So they help everybody. Sometimes um, when teachers would partner, like, the general ed students with the SPED students, if you got someone who wasn't compassionate, like, I think you have to know your students to be able to put them with the right person. Because there has to be a love for special ed when you're dealing with but not No, but I'm I talking think. about like, even when teachers put a general ed student, they generally partner them with uh, sometimes a special ed student so they can kind of get an example oh, of like, yeah. but I, I just felt like sometimes kids that weren't, were too fast, if they got partnered with, with our kid, like it kind of, he got left pushed to the wayside yeah. sometimes. So I think I, that was a thing that, concerned me in an inclusion classroom was like making sure that one those kids are cared for enough because sometimes they need a lot of hand holding to like walk them through things yeah and they can get forgotten in a general ed class yeah um or when they do partnering it's making sure that they have the right partner because they need very specific things 
Um, to your to your other point, though, is that me just being too momish? Nope, no, it's a hundred percent on point. But like, it's regular ed teachers aren't taught how to teach students with special needs. Yeah, and I did notice that, and so there was a big gap, and so sometimes yeah. I felt like the general ed teachers weren't as compassionate or patient with with yeah. our child they, because, because as a teacher, they see that as you're being lazy, yes. you're not trying hard enough, you're you know whatever it is. Um, but that's like the behavior comes from my frustration of I don't know how to do anything and screw all this and I don't want to, I hate school. So I think that's the caveat with the, or the the pitfall of potentially of inclusion if you don't have two teachers that are very cognizant of like what those kids need to yeah. be able to partner to get to make sure because they really have to you have to be they can get lost in the sauce real quick in yeah. an inclusion classroom. But overall, I really think that that's a better model than yeah. a full on contained classroom. I guess it depends on the kid for sure. Cool. Ready for the next one? 30 minutes later? Yes. Uh, Laura really is... That one really hit it. I know. Hit well, that's, a soft spot in our hearts. That's the one we're passionate about. Okay. Laura's asking, need a Reynolds pep talk as I try to make it to the finish line this school year. I'm so unmotivated to teach. Love my class and want to give them the best of me, but having trouble digging deep. Um, Man. So I think, first of all, it is just noting that right and being okay like like knowing that like you don't have to be on 11 at all moments um but actually relaxing a bit more so look I'm going to tell you I'll, I'll be real honest with you in the last couple of weeks um our school I mean I've I've, I've alluded to this so so often like um let, let me give it let me give a little bit of context as to where my thoughts and feelings are coming from. And then I'm just going to answer your question and then we'll move on. I won't spend a lot of time on this. Last year I had like, I I've worked in a really great school for, for almost 10 years. And so last year the head of the board got fired. The CEO got fired. The principal got fired. The assistant principal got fired, uh, which led to the Dean of students who does all the behavioral stuff show. Um, she quit. Uh, the head of the special education department quit. Um, and then that led to a landslide of teachers leaving because everyone was like, this is all going to be terrible. In the beginning of the year, we got a new principal. He quit within the first two weeks. The new dean quit within the first three weeks. Um, then someone who was in charge of like PR and school finance, like took over as the acting principal for the moment. Um, and so and a whole bunch of other people have left it, in that time. Right. So. It is a year where no one knows anything. You can't get any questions answered. It is a, it is, it, it's it's problematic to, to, to say. But I'll just leave it at that. It's problematic. Um, but you know, even with keeping my head straight and pouring a ton into myself, pouring a ton into my students, trying to remember the fact that like the staff I work with is still great. Like there's literally like I love like everyone that I know. I mean, there's tons of people I don't know this year because they're new and but I see them on Zoom. But like there's tons of people that I work with that are wonderful that like, yeah, um, but and it could it be worse? Probably. But, you know, that that wears you down. So over the last couple of weeks, um, there are times when I feel like I've mailed it in. Like we had conferences for 12 hours, something like that one day, eight, like, uh, yeah, something like that. It was like a nine hour work day of conferences all day. 
Uh, and then we were supposed to teach like full tilt the next day. And this is the first year we've done that. We've, we've did away with that process years ago. Um, where we used to have like a, a teacher in service day, the day after to sort of recoup and recalibrate and then teach the rest of the week. So on that day, like I just find lessons that are much easier where it's like, let's watch this video. Let's do this precursor together. Let's have this discussion. Let's watch this video and then let's do it. The aftermath of the um, Derek Chavez, Chavez, am I saying that right? Chavez, the Chavez. George Floyd uh, verdict. I can't remember that guy's last name, but anyway, um, having those conversations, having conversations about the other young woman that was killed in Florida, like this stuff wears on you, man. So like at the end of the day, there's tons of stuff I have to do. I've been cutting it way shorter and then just going in my garden, going in my tiny little ass wood shop that I have in the backyard, um, just playing with my kids, playing video games at lunchtime, like just really try like intentionally doing this, right. So that I can show up the next day and be better or just keep going. So I think it's okay. But what this lo looks like, I think folks have it twisted when they think about self-care. Self-care is not always just laying on the couch, on your phone, watching TV, like whatever, right? It could be. But um, I think it's being, if you're going to do that, it's being mindful. I have a whole other Instagram account that's just positive stuff. It's just people that I love. It's just fun things. It's like following celebrities, designers, uh, creators, people that I love has, there's not one teacher on there. Um, it just fills me up when I look at it. It is, um, watching movies and TV shows that I love that make me happy. So tonight I think we're watching, uh, some show called Timmy failure. The, the, the trailer looks awesome. Um, the other week we watched a movie called this sounds like the dumbest name ever. Like, I don't even know how we even started watching this. Uh, called the peanut butter falcon that was friggin oh, great it will make your heart explode with happiness uh but you won't die and it will make you i don't know make you want to carry confetti in your pockets um it, it's just it's great so it, it's being mindful of that stuff too and then um i think here's here's the thing one of the ways that i really try to help here's what i think you should look at the rest of the year as because we're going to focus on all the wrong things Every day, can you show up and have, I shoot for five um, moments where I really care for someone. Somebody asks for something. Someone does something. Someone pisses you off. Someone needs a shout out. Someone needs a word of kindness. Can you show up five times a day and just care for someone? Just go a little bit further for them. But if, you know, I don't do late work, but like if a kid needs late work, I'm like, nope, this is one of those moments. I'm just going to like, just going to love you. Like here's like out of nowhere punch a love to your face. Like, it's like, what am I going to do in those five moments? I think that that will start shifting how you're doing it. And then I'll tell you one other thing that I've been doing. And this is so dumb too. It feels so dumb when you're doing it. Um, I'm reading a new book uh, called Soundtracks by John Acuff and everyone should look him up. It's, it's so great. He has a podcast, listen to his podcast. They're really, really short and they're so filled with really great information. Um, that's something I'm actually going to mention in the newsletter this, this month. So the other segue, if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, you can do so right on the website. It's really great. They're great videos. <laughs> at realrap.com. At realrap.com. Uh, so the, um, one of the things he talks about in the book is doing, 
uh, Zig Ziglar's Daily Affirmations. Just Google Zig Ziglar's Daily Affirmations and you will get a list. But you have to stand in front of the mirror and say things like how great you are. It's so awkward and weird, but it really, really works. Like it's really like I after I do it, I'm like, all right, I feel like I got a little pep in my step all of a sudden. See how I did that? Pep in my step. Um, <laughs> let me do it one more time. No, okay, nobody wants okay. to do uh, I think that that has really helped too. So look, Laura, you can do it. It's going to be great. Um, but just focus on you and not just, not self-care needs to be filling yourself up with things and not just doing nothing. Like that can be self-care, but like, how are you doing nothing? I'd rather do nothing on a massage table or drinking a beer in my wood shop and just sitting there than like just watching TV. Well, that's for me, right? Like my self-care, my favorite thing to do is really just hang out with CJ when he... Is this hang out with CJ or what is it doing? No, you know, sometimes we hang out and have great conversations and other times we're just sitting there and I'm reading or like listening to something that's... Or, or I'm just on social media, but who watching cares? Watching me. I was going to oh, say you all... I thought you were going <laughs> to dog me for me and I'm like, oh. No, 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 man. <laughs> nope. But it's sitting outside, right? For me, it's sitting outside in our teeny tiny yard that is beautiful. And yeah, I love watching. It's getting nature. that vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Simple. Okay, Stephanie Shook is uh, up next. And All right. Come on live. Here it is. What's up, Seth? What's going on, guys? How are you? Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. I am trying to focus on uh, finishing up these, um, what are they called? District alternative to our state tests. Oh, wait. Yeah. yeah. So we're not doing we're not doing our SOLs this year for certain things. So we have uh, division alternatives, but we have to grade them. And it's uh, it's, oh. it's been interesting to be voluntold that. So <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to kind of trail on, on Laura's question. But instead yeah. of being so big and broad in terms of how do you get the motivation um, you know, just self-care and whatnot. How do you get your motivation in the middle of something when you're like doing something, but then you, you just lost it, whether it's the ADHD, whether it's the, you know, someone walked by and asked you another question. How do you keep yourself on track when you're trying to do something important and you're just not there? Uh, so I think about two things. One, when do I have the energy to do that and make sure that I'm doing that when I have the energy, right? So like, I don't do it at the end of the day. I don't like this second half of my school day is like just grading stuff. It's never creating stuff. And so it's being mindful of where and when your energy is. Um, and two is timing myself. Um, it's really setting a timer. So what I'll do in the morning is um, when I start working, uh, which has been about 7 a.m., like, so I do like this whole morning routine and then I go into the work. I set a timer for 30 to 50 minutes and then I don't break from that. I'm only doing one thing. My phone's not near me. Like, so if I have to edit a video and get it out, if I have to create a lesson plan, if I have to, there's some sort of creation piece there, it's only doing that thing and cutting everything else off. I, I make all these signs. I probably have one here. Is this, is this one of those stupid signs? Oh, oh, this is, so I hang this on my door. <laughs> um, building in progress. Uh, so the kids see it and they don't bother me. If you want to swim in my pool, ride my tiny horse, or eat from my apple trees, stay on my island retreat, or sleep in my treehouse, please uh, visit when this door is open. Thanks, the dream weaver. Um, so that I do this all the time. I do it in school too, where I have all these little signs that says, like, uh, I'm calculating your grade and I'm not that good at math. 
please don't talk to me right now or whatever. I literally no. have a picture of you and you were writing the book, right? Writing, writing a book was probably one of the hardest things that really required like a, a ton yeah. of discipline, like a yeah. huge project that required a lot of discipline and focus for him. And when you're all home together and we homeschool and we all are here, it's very distracting. So he used a lot of those signs yeah. to like, remind people like I'm really focusing in and I'm trying to do this and I'm setting it up for like a certain amount of time. But when you do that, when you carve out 50 minutes, say 50 minutes, like I like 50 minutes because it's not an hour, right? It's like not even an hour, 50 minutes of focused time on what any one activity, you're not checking your phone. You're not checking your email. You're not like looking at the bird outside. You heard noise, whatever. I'll take care of that when, you know, that child will still be laying on the floor in 40 minutes when I'm finished, like whatever it is, you're super hyper focused. And I tell my wife that I'm doing this. So she knows not to talk to me. The kids don't talk to me. I'm not taking the dog out. You would be surprised at how much you can get done when you just put that much focused attention on something for that amount of time is it's a game changer. So I do that in the morning twice uh, on whatever activity that I'm working on. And then everything else gets like little bits of time throughout the day. But I find that just those two 50 minute chunks are game changers. And, and that's, that's how I do it. I wish it was that easy to lock myself in the laundry room. <laughs> My desk is in the middle of the living room. Cause it's the yeah. only space we had available. Sometimes I leave. Like I I've gone and worked in my car. Um, I'll like drive somewhere else and like take a walk and do things. Like I'll answer email. Cause all my emails I answer by voice anyway. Let's like take a walk and answer emails or whatever it is, but it's like, you also sat um, at the dining room table, but he puts headphones on. Like, so yeah, I just put headphones, headphones on with no music. I listen to like brainstorms or something like that. So it's like, kind of gets me out of my head. I can't hear, I know the kids are doing stuff, but like I, I am, I tell the kid, I tell them, I go, all right, I'm going into the matrix is what I tell them all the time. And then I just zone in. It's like getting that thing plugged in the back. Of my head. I love that. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Thanks so much. You got it. We'll appreciate talk to you. it. Bye. We'll talk Bye. soon. What's up? Uh, okay. Next is Nicholas. He is asking, I will be in five different rooms next year. The best way to handle not having my own space. So I just made a video, but it's not for my channel on this, but I'm going to tell you what I decided. <laughs> um, I make videos for uh, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt for their, they have a, so if, Hey, if you're on there, you can check your boy out. Um, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt uh, HMH has a site called teacher's corner. And if your school gets like any of their textbooks or any of their services, you automatically get access to this free content. And so I've made, I don't know, friggin' like 15, 20 videos for them over the last however many, 10 months, something like that. Um, so one of the things I talk about is can you have a space in that room? Can you have a wall? Can you have a corner? Can you have a teacher's cart that like, I can't, part of me wants to really do this. Like part of me wishes I had this problem and for real, like not just to, to show off, but because I really think that it would help people to see like if you had a wall or a corner or one time I had a closet, I didn't have room in my classroom for a desk. I literally, and I had to share with other people. I took, there was a closet in there that was very small. Um, and uh, maybe it was, three feet wide by like two feet deep, but it was really tall. Like it was probably 12 to 13 feet tall. Right. So what I did was, um, I went in the school basement. I cleared all the crap out. It was filled with junk, cleared all of it out. I put a desk in there. 
custom-made desk that I found in the basement. I cut the size. I put shelves in there. I had lighting. Um, I had a dead plant just because I thought it was funny. I had, it was it was <laughs> dialed in. It was like you opened it. It was like, dang, like, what's going on? It's like party in the closet. So I think that you can do that with any number of places, even if you just have a corner. Um, I once had a cabinet in the back of a room where it was like a really large not, not exactly a filing cabinet, but one of those like large metal cabinets with the two doors and you opened it up and like the lights would go on. Cause I had like, uh, you can buy, uh, motion lights from home Depot that you just are magnets on them. And then they, they're just battery powered. So whenever you open it up, like the lights came on and stuff, I had like the depth, the shelves arranged so that I had like a little, um, writing area and stuff. And like, it was, it was awesome. Um, but I think it's about looking at the tiny spaces that you have and then maximizing them to the best of their ability. If you have a teacher cart, it's like, I would have a teacher cart and I'd have like toolboxes on the side with the drawers that come out and stuff. And like, it would be, that would be dialed in. Also, I'd have a boom box on there and lights and a bubble machine. It'd be like a party everywhere. I, I push that thing down the hall, but I think it's trying to create tiny spaces in all the rooms you're in. So you don't, there's certain things you're going to need every day that you don't have to think about, right? It's like student, maybe like, um, so one of the things I do is I have uh, milk crates that I take from the parking lot of our school that get, I think they just get destroyed. I don't really know. Maybe they're supposed to go to the milk company and I stole them. I don't know, but like I'll take six of those. And for every class that I teach of all the six classes, the kids keep all their notebooks and their folders in there. And then that never I never have to think about it. I never move it. The kids never take it with them. It's all stays there. I keep all their novels in class unless they have to go home and read something that night. So they never have to think about it. They never have to like, it's not a thing. It's just something that stays in the classroom. Um, there's a place for everything, like extra pencils, expo markers that I hide because people steal them or my friend, Mr. Fines destroys them because he's like, bam, bam. Uh, it is trying to like create these places where you don't have to think about that stuff. Maybe you have a whiteboard in that room that is only for your stuff. Like you use this. I think there's a lot of kind of like little tips and tricks you could do like that. Um, and then make that corner or that wall or that special area like the greatest. Uh, and I just think that there's really inexpensive ways to do that too. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm thinking about. What you got, buddy? Stupid comments that jump. Okay, we're gonna go over here. Uh, Curiel, Curiel, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm very terrible when it comes to vowels. We're terrible at names um, in our family. I'm just terrible with vowels. I just never know if they're long or short. I'm learning. I apologize for my wife. <laughs> uh, they're asking, it seems like I somehow teach a slightly different set of classes each year. How would you recommend I balance preparation over the summer with setting school aside for a while? Um, First, I would, before summer even starts, have a schedule for yourself in the summer. Um, summer gets away from everyone so quickly. I think I said this last week. We're like, Fourth uh, of July often feels like an oh no moment for me because I'm like, damn, we're already Fourth of July. But like, Fourth of July, like, so if you're in the U.S., like, it's we're celebrating Independence Day. Um, it is, it is like two weeks tops after the end of my school year this week right so um i find there's an adjustment period of about two weeks that it takes me to stop thinking about school so i build that in like it's like july for me is i wouldn't dream of doing schoolwork right i don't do it at the end of june either but july is no no schoolwork at all 
I don't start doing school planning until two weeks before school goes back. And that's um, if like sometimes it's a week because we have a week of professional development that's lame anyway all the time. So I'll just work during that instead. Uh, but but if you really want to do it, I think if you put in two weeks like and you're and again, you're carving out time. So it's not taking your whole day or whatever. Like it's like, hey, I work for two hours every morning on this. And today I'm going to work on this task and this task. And that's it just two hours, two 50 minute chunks. So you work 50 minutes, then you take a 10 minute break and you take a walk, you take your dog out, you like step outside, you go say hello to your kids or whatever. And then you do that again. Um, you get an enormous amount of stuff done because you're not distracted. The other thing is I think trying to find systems, I try to systematize everything. I really think there's this really great Jocko Willing quote that says discipline equals freedom. And I think when we can automate, and this is my personality also, right? So this doesn't maybe work for everyone, but as much as possible, the things in our lives, if we can automate them. So class begins this way, then we move to this, then we do this, then this, and this. So I have five things that I hit every day and it never changes, right? And, and it's, but I don't think it's ever really boring because it's the way that I do those things. It's the magic I sprinkle on them that makes them come to life. So every day is right now during virtual, a do now. Every day, there's a journal entry. Every day, there's a reading activity and then questions, a discussion, and then we're done. Um, and so, and we're supposed to do exit tickets, but I think those are stupid. They don't fit, like what the school has in mind for that and how it fits in my class is dumb, so I don't do it. Um, <laughs> so like I, but having that rhythm every day, it builds a sense of the kids knowing exactly what's going on. There's never like a mystery as to what's happening. Now, sometimes that changes and we do a project or we'll work on something else or like there's a craft or an adventure or a trip or something like that. But largely, they I want them to know, like I, before you go into the gym, you should have a sense of what this is going to, what the flow is going to be like, what the workout's going to be like, what you need to bring with you. Um, and I think having that flow and that discipline lends itself to things being easier because then you're just trying to like figure out what do I need to do for a do now? Okay. Locked. What do I have to do for a journal entry? Locked. What are we reading today? And I already know that we're only reading for 15 to 20 minutes in some classes, 10 to 15 minutes, because I know kids really struggle with it or two 10 minute chunks or something like that. It's fine in that flow. I think that really helps you. And then don't recreate the wheel. You don't get any extra credit, find stuff online, whether it's and you could pay, but there's tons of stuff. Like I was on a site the other day um, that's called uh, A to Z Homeschooling. Shout out to A to Z Homeschooling because there was tons of great stuff on there that I was like, oh, I could do this, 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 and this. Done. Days planned. Um, and then here's how I'm going to sprinkle magic on it because that's the most fun part of coming up with a lesson anyway is figuring out how you're going to make it. It's like reading's reading, but like how can we make it fun? That I think that's the, the best part anyway. That's that. Agree. What do you got, buddy? Um, that says our, our buddy, John Lopez. John Lopez. The most He's asking animal. the most important question you could ever ask. How is your peanut brittle supply? Chicano calls just mailed you some yesterday. John Lopez. Thank goodness, because it's empty. He mails me giant boxes of things in which he writes the most lovely, like nice letters um and they're also written with these beautiful fountain pens on this magical paper it's like a whole it's a whole thing right um 
also sends me stuff that is the worst for my health that it ever could be, right? It's good for my soul maybe, but it's not good for my, for my, for your gut, for my gut. <laughs> um, John Lopez sent me peanut brittle recently. I have not eaten peanut brittle in about 30 years. I could, I literally couldn't even say that because I don't I know when the last ever. time it was. Because to me, peanut brittle is up there with it's it's for older people right it is for senior citizens it's for people that go to bed after jeopardy they you know have a little peanut brittle they chew werther's originals um they like doilies um man so i open it up i eat a piece of peanut brittle it was all over within less than 24 hours I ate an enormous box of peanut brittle. I devoured that thing, man. It was so good. I went I was for a piece it. and it was empty. I looked like an addict. I was like, it was in the back and I was like, eat a little bit, take a little piece outside, taking the trash out, grab a piece of peanut brittle, put it in my mouth. Chew. I was like, it was, it was bad news. Alicia well, says, I love John Lopez. He's so knowledgeable. He is. He He's the most interesting man in the world. No, John Lopez should be on social media because I would he could just drop knowledge every day. I know. He's awesome. Um, okay, here's another fun question. I don't know how to pronounce this person's name, but they are asking, what is your opinion on peanut butter with chocolate in a sandwich, putting it in the oven, then deep fry it, after that topping it off with some chocolate sprinkles? Uh, I think it sounds delicious. Want to make this one? Um, <laughs> so my inner Scooby would say uh, <laughs> this is a delightful idea. Um, but I really only try and eat really, really bad foods on Saturdays um, and then be clean the rest of the week, um, which isn't really working for my weight lately because I well, realize that. keeping you even. We'll say that. It is. I'm <laughs> the heaviest I've ever eat. been in my life, but I am. But I don't walk around all day. I'm not at school walking around all day. So and all my feet are sitting in this chair all day. Uh, yeah, that sounds, sounds great. You sound like a genius. Someone needs to call a uh, rummage and tell them about this. Yeah. Right. Um, it's like stoner food. Oh goodness. Right. That's like, that's like you had a couple well, too, you few too many one night and you're like, <laughs> no, it'd be a good idea, bro. Okay. Let's move on to our next question. Uh, Daisy, I cannot find your question, but I'll get it up there. Uh, is asking, how can I implement a flipped classroom? PowerPoints and presentation outside of class to try to focus on social emotional learning in class and give extra time to help clarify class information. So that's a really great question. Um, I think that I, I've known some people that have done this really, really well, uh, but I think the people that do it the best, you have to have engaging content for students to to watch or to look at or to pay attention to. Um, so the, we do this in our class, like we do all the reading happens in class all the time because almost no one reads outside of class. It, it is less than 5% of students will actually do the reading if you give it to them to do outside of class. So, um, and there are people that have problems with this that think like, oh, you should like have more grit, like push kids and they'll rise to the occasion. They don't rise to the occasion. They don't do it. So it's like, instead, why don't we stop um, doing what's not working and try and help kids figure out a way that is working uh, because otherwise it's just craziness because you're just hoping that they'll do more or you're threatening them to do more and i'm not into i have zero interest in coercion um so i have actually i have a video coming out on tuesday that talks about the difference in classes uh between motivating and, and inspiring students which i think we are called to do as educators and coercing students and i don't think coercion 
should play a part in any classroom. So, um, so I would say this, make, you can make those videos yourself, but that's time consuming. I tried to do that last year when we first started virtual teaching, I made videos every day for students and it was like, it was really, really fun. And then it became like really exhausting. Um, but just find stuff that already exists, like use, like, you know, you could go somewhere like Edpuzzle. You could just look for like, um, things that are like already exist online, whether it's, uh, who's, who's, uh, who does Edie work with all the time? Um, oh, what the hell's the guy? He wrote Fault in Our Star or uh, Fault in Our Star or something like that. The two brothers. Um, oh, dang it. Edie, where are you? Uh, so like they um, crash course, right? Something like that. So finding stuff. But I would also I think there is here's here's one of the things I would challenge for that. I think that there is lately there's some real evidence this year that school doesn't have to take as long as school does, that school doesn't need to at last seven to eight hours. We all see it. Parents see it. Everyone sees that like school doesn't need to take this long. Um, so is the stuff you're sending home? Like, don't think of it as like, I have a 50 minute period. So this should take 50 minutes when you're at home. It could take 10, it could take 15. Like, don't, don't just have more stuff. Because just doing more doesn't mean that you're working harder or you're working like your kids are more diligent or have more grit or, or something. It's like finding what do kids need to know, right? So like when I break down lesson plans, it is what do I need kids to know? And then how do I get them there? The end. It's not about anything else. And then just doing that, I think, if especially if you want to focus on social emotional stuff, it's not like... Focusing on social emotional stuff at the, um, at, you know, but also overloading kids outside of school because now you're just you're doing something that you don't want to do. So I'm not saying that that was your move, but like the, I've, I've seen too many teachers do that where they just like give tons of homework. There's tons of stuff to do outside of school. And I just don't think that's necessary. I just don't. I, I think you can learn stuff um, much faster than than we did. I think that school period times and class times and day times are completely arbitrary. Or they're there because we need teachers to be babysitters because we need folks to be there for the whole time that mom and dad are at work. Um, so we need you there for eight hours because that's what your parents' work hours are. Um, but we don't really need that. Like it's it's like almost too much for kids. Like it is. If you're just teaching them that like constant, they're constantly learning. I just think that at some point your brain just shuts down. It's like, I'm not going to, no, can't take any more we're trying to get them ready for the work world or something like that. But you even jobs are dumb, dumb now because how many people do we know that yeah. work for companies and they're like, we don't care how long you're here. We don't care how many days off just you get take. The job done. Yeah. To take as long as it takes needs to get right. done. Like, and if you need to be in the office, do it. If you don't, then don't. But like, right. so yeah. Yeah. It's strange. Okay. Trent over on Facebook is asking. Take that. I will. Um, Thanks, buddy. I got asked this question in an interview, and I really didn't know what to say. When is the right time to get the principal to interfere slash get involved in the classroom? That's a tough That's a great question. So I feel like, Trent, that's a So first of all, Trent, I think you sent me a DM, um, and it's in my list of things to do this week to, to get back to the chunk of next chunk of DM. So um, expect that answer. Two, you know, man, I, I think that seems like a loaded question. It feels like they're, they're, they're like, yeah. it's like either a principal wants to be involved or they're like, bro, how much are you going to ask me to do? Right. Like, I don't want to have to do too much. Um, 
I guess there's some teachers that call, I would assume that they call the principal for everything if you're, if you're, yeah. right, which shows a lack of classroom management on some level. I, I It does. Know, I'm not a teacher, so don't, don't, don't cancel us. I, me so that. my answer to that would be not even just get the principal to interfere, like to get somebody outside of my classroom. I handle things in my classroom like this. Um, you have some sort of infraction. You're doing something you're not supposed to. Bro, can you chill? You just stop, like, stop doing what you're doing, or like, yo, get your mind right. Like, come on, let's get this done. Like, whatever, however, I interfere with that or interact with that child. And then the second time it happens, it's just like, bro, we're not doing, like, I don't know where you think you are, but like, this in our class, we're not, this doesn't even happen. Um, just chill. I just want you to do well today. Are, are we cool? Do you need a moment? Do you need to like step out and like get a drink, go to the bathroom, stretch your legs, or like, if not, like, just be cool. All right. Um, Sometimes I'll even incentivize it. Like I'll, I'm, I'm not above bribing kids. You want candy? I'll give you candy if you're quiet or if you do your work. Like you want a sticker? Like what, I, I, I'm down with that. Um, it's it's trying to to handle that in house. If the third time it doesn't happen, and sometimes even the second time, right? This isn't like a, a mathematical equation. It's the, it's see, it's trying to read what's needed. Hey, do me a favor. Step in the hallway for a second. You're not in trouble. I just want to speak to you. Um, have that kid go in the hallway and by telling them they're not in trouble, they step in the hallway and then they're not going to be on guard or it's not like this always happens to me or like that kind of behavior, not acting out because you're not in trouble. Just be cool. Step in the hallway, step in the hallway. And then I made a million videos about this, but you first say, uh, is there anything that I did? Like, did I do something that is like, cause this is, let me first say in the front end, here's what I'm seeing. And I'm wondering if I did anything to like set you off or, or make it like that. Um, again, it's not blaming a kid. You're just saying what you saw. They have chance to speak back. Um, and sometimes they'll tell you that it was you. There was something you did that pissed them off or set them off or whatever. If not, then they will come back with, um, no, you didn't do anything. Okay. So then what do we need to do so that you can find success today? Do we move, need to move your seat? Is there something going on that I need to know about? And really pressing kids and trying to get to an answer. All of this happening while your door is half open, the student's out of view so no one can see him in the class, um, but you can kind of keep an eye on both things at one time. Um, and then you bring the student back. If they do something again, it's a wrap. Like you're out, like you got you got to leave. And here's why you have to leave. You're not leaving because I don't want to deal with this anymore because I can't stand this because you're not going to do this for, to me. It's not like getting all up in my feelings and stuff like that. Like I've checked that. Kids don't get to decide whether I'm mad or not. And that doesn't mean that doesn't happen all like sometimes. Sometimes it does. Sometimes a kid will do something that literally hurts my feelings or makes me get emotional or something like that. But they didn't forget to know that. Um, I send you to the office or I put you in the hallway or I call for backup, um, for lack of a better term, like because uh, you're not finding success right now. And that is, that is, making you fail, but it's also going to make others fail in the classroom also, right? So it's not just about you. It's about, I'm removing you because I have a contract with everyone else here and with their families that I'm going to help them to survive. So if somebody is doing too much, right? It's like, if your baby keeps crying in the back of the church, maybe take a step and walk out into the hallway for a minute, help that baby calm down and then bring it back. Did I just describe children as babies and talk about school at church? I did, but I couldn't think of a better metaphor. So that's what you're doing. And then the communication to the principal, to the dean, to whoever is coming down. Hey, look, I'm not sure what's going on. This is what I did already. I'm not, we're not finding success and we're keep doing this. 
I need someone to help him figure this out because I need to focus in on my students right now. I need to focus in on the other 30 kids that I have in the classroom to be able to help them. And I can't, I can't do this right now. So I think that that's what it is. It's not you sending out your, your self-respect. I've heard people say that it's not you like giving up on a kid. It's not you taking away someone's God given right to, to education. Um, it's really just taking a moment and saying, look, you're not finding success. I need someone to help you figure out what's going on so that you can come back and find success. And when you're ready, let's go. The only time I kick a kid out and tell them that they can't come back and that whoever comes and gets them, I say, you're the student's not allowed in here, no matter what, um, is if I think somebody else is in danger, if I think that student is bullying something, someone, um, or if I need to have a one-on-one -on -one with that kid so they understand my expectations for class before they come back in, right? But that is few and far between. But I do that sometimes where I say, this dude cannot, do not bring them back to my classroom right now because um, I need to connect with them. And then oftentimes I'll say, if you have them in the office, hold them after the bell rings, I'll come down immediately after class. We'll talk about it for 10 minutes, figure it out, know where we're going how we're going forward and then that's the end so that's that's the long version but that's how i roll that thing out what you got did i lose you i um, finished that question yes no you didn't lose me um okay the next uh Feel viewers like question no the next viewers question they didn't want to go live um sure so, and it's not in the comments so i can't just i guess to stay anonymous Sure. Um, so their question is, they said they had a, a, a tough week. So first off, just sorry that you had a tough week. Uh, but the question is, I went to check on one of your classroom management videos, but now we move from class to class and the students stay in one class. Yeah. I have a lot of issues with kids always on their devices. The previous teacher left early and I came into relative chaos. What are some classroom management tips that you can when you can't be ready at the door or ready with pre-class, et cetera. How would oh, you handle that? That's really important. Um, my question is, are kids well, being left unattended in a classroom with no one there? I guess for a hot second so until she could first get of her. all, someone well, they're always, figure that out. But that's no, but that's always happening. So if if the whole COVID procedure now is teachers move, students stay still to students should never be left in a room unsupervised. Well, I don't know how all these schools, if, if your school's handling that and you're watching live, like- I would love to know what yeah, that what, is because I just don't see the legal issues with that too is like- I think Maisha said that that's how her school's running it too. Like that seems bonkers. the teachers move, um, the students stay still. The, that shouldn't be happening. They need to figure out a, a different plan of attack for that. Um, that's your answer? Is that, that's, that's one. Policy should be. Two, um, I think it's, I'm not talking about dogs here, but I think it's training kids how things are going to get down when you come in to the room, right? Um, that you need to show up and you need to set up and you need to get your things ready. You're going to need a couple minutes. Um, I think it's, I think some ways that I would set the tone is one, don't ignore it. Two, let it go a little bit, right? So like I would, if I came into a classroom and it was like that and I need 10 minutes to get ready and this happens often, right? When let's say I am uh, dealing with a student, a student, let's say a kid comes in crying. Let's say a teacher's crying in the hallway. Let's see someone's out of pocket. There's a fight in the hallway. Something's going on and I need a moment. Like, so I handle that. Then I come into my classroom. All right, I need five or 10 minutes to just like calm my brain to get things set up and to get things where they are. So it, it literally goes like this. I walk in the classroom, I go, 
Yo, ladies and gentlemen, I need your your attention. I need it in five, four, three, and then that's how they do in Wayne's world. Um, so it's doing that so that students know that we're taking a moment um, and I need your attention. I need, I'm going to give you 10 seconds of instruction right now. Tom, you're still talking about Tom. Yep. Stop talking. I just need you to focus in 10, 10 seconds. So you know exactly what's going on because I, I don't want you to miss what's happening right now. I'm going to give you all five to 10 minutes. You can be on your phone, but we're not posting anything. We're not recording anything. Like just like play a game or something like that. If you, if, and, and know this, I give you a reason to trust you until, or I trust you until you give me a reason not to trust you. Um, now look, your school might have different policies and procedures based on that. And if that's the case, then, um, I think that's a bigger step. I think that's a school-wide policy where they need to figure out what are we doing with students on devices between classes. But I don't think to me, it feels like a pacifier. It is a thing that keeps kids in their seats. It keeps them all locked down. If you're watching something, you have to have, uh, headphones in so that you're, I don't want to hear what you're, you're doing. Um, and that, that's that I, I have no issues with that. It really, really works in class all the time. And then when we get started, all right, I need stuff away and we're going to start working in the next 60 seconds, right? You have 60 seconds to put that stuff away um, or whatever your kind of like thing is. And usually it's something dumb. I make something dumb like, um, because I'm not going to sit here and take everyone's phone away. But like then, then we just transition into that. And then look, Yo, if we can get packed up because I need to get packed up to get ready to move to my next class so I can get there quick, we're going to stop two to five minutes before the end of the class. I'll let you go on your phone again. Uh, like, I know that there's schools that have different issues with that, but like, I just think if we're going to let kids have phones, we need to help them to find healthy moments to work with that and then how to be able to remove yourself from that so that you are now being fully present in class and not on your phone. Um, and if that's, if we're leaving kids to their, literally to their own devices, right. It's a bad pun, but like, uh, it's, you know, it works. It is, it is helping students to know, like, dude, like if teachers were transitioning, you know, teachers would be frigging on their phones. Like if they were waiting for students to show up, they'd be sitting on their phones also, right. They'd be doing that, the same I thing. Think the funny thing is, is we make these blanket statements for kids and then different rules for adults when we know really how we operate, but it's like, instead of, fearing that kids are going to take advantage of things. It's like, why don't we teach them like yeah. healthy ways to, and to then do it? if like, someone does something wrong, right, it's not, it's not damning the whole class or the whole practice or the whole device. It's literally like addressing that particular student right. or they lost, they, now they don't get to do it anymore. And I, I've done that where kids have like taken pictures or done something inappropriate. All right. Now you don't use your phone in class for two weeks, mm-hmm. right? You don't have the privilege of, you know, I gave you gum and you left trash on the floor. Like now you don't get gum. It is, it's helping kids. It's helping kids to learn how to navigate the world in such a way without just like, instead of just and crushing ju- it. Yeah. Instead of just <laughs> doing that them. all the time. I think that, you know, that would help. And then I think when you move, so here's the last part that I think would really help when class starts, when you get attention, whether their kids are paying attention or not, they know that, it's, that I'd have the same kind of activity every day. Hey, you have 60 seconds to answer this question. And then it's it's coming off the board. We're moving forward. It already has to be handed in, whatever it is, like whether you're doing it on a device, whether you're doing it on your computer and you're submitting it, whether you're handing something in on a piece of paper, that's it. After 60 seconds, the, the train's moving. And then having each section of what you're doing timed 
If kids need a little bit more time, that's up to you to decide whether or not they have it. But it is like when kids see the sense of urgency, right? Like it is, I think that that helps. My own children do not know what it's like to watch a TV show that you can't pause it. So sometime recently, we were watching something on TV. Oh, they were watching the Super Bowl. And we were watching on like live TV because I don't have like a TiVo or anything like that. Or, or like, I don't even know if TiVo is a thing anymore. But like, uh, <laughs> but, but anything you can pause it, right? It was just live. And my son kept going, I got to go to the bathroom. Pause it. I have a question. Pause it. I'm like, dude, there is no pause. Like the, the train's moving. Like if you talk, we're going to miss the next play, the next commercial, the next news update, whatever it is. So it is kind of using that same mode, but in class so that there's an urgency behind what we're doing. So we have to pay attention because this is the only time it's happening kind of a thing. I have a hundred other things I can say to that too, but. You have a hundred things you can say to everything. Almost. Okay. Drewtopia, which I like that name, um, is asking, I told my customer at work yesterday that I wanted to be a high school teacher with my degree. And he became upset with me because he thought I was wasting my education. Why do people react like that? Uh, because you know, <laughs> I, think, I think they can't understand education is is the problem. I think if you're yeah. if you're not in it, you you have no idea what's happening in those buildings, really. Because I'd say this, I think that from afar, there are no like. Why would you want to be a teacher? Hey, do you want to work really long hours for really low pay? Um, Hey, do you want to never, do you want to have like zero opportunities really to like increase your income outside of school without teaching summer school, coaching, um, or, or tutoring people? Like there's not like, this doesn't build to anything. Like in, after 15 years of teaching, my pay is still so unbelievably low that it's like, it's sort of laughable. At well, your raise even this year from last year's contract to I this year. thousand dollar raise. <laughs> How am I supposed to do with that? I'd rather have a thousand dollar gift card. I've had years where I've gotten a five hundred dollar raise because funds were so low. I'd rather have a five hundred dollar gift card to the movie theater or to you know the liquor the store. Liquor store. <laughs> yeah, like let me have five hundred dollars worth of breakfast sandwiches this year. Like, um, it's it's laughable because it's like it's like pennies on your on your thing. What those folks don't understand is this, right? Is this right here. Teaching is a calling. And when something is a calling, when you feel like this is what you've been given to do, you just, that's what you do because you know that the fulfillment for that is so incredibly important to you that you can't live without it. You can't do something else. There's not another job for you. This is what I've been given to do. And I think that it is it's, it can be incredibly hard, but you, you know, if you watch my channel, if you watch a lot of these like teacher YouTubers that are really doing it and, and finding passion and ways to thrive and love what they do and make, you know, a difference, that's what everybody wants to do anyway. But instead, you know, it, it's something that not everyone can do. Now, look, I'll say this too. I used to think that teaching only mattered if you stayed in it for the whole thing. If you did it for 15 or if you did it for 30 years, right? Like now you're like, you get the credit, you get the hand clap, you get the standing ovation. If you can do it for 10, do it. If you can do it for five, like I, I'd rather people not do that because I think students need consistency and I think you only get better over time. But there are like, if you need a new challenge, a new adventure, you know, it's, uh, or you're just, you're that secondary trauma, depending on where you teach has really gotten to you. 
and you do it for 10 years, amen, man, go do something else. Like, like, but I think that individual, my guess is they also had teachers in their life that just hated it, that were so tired of it, that they saw this as the only thing they could ever do. And it's like, instead of seeing just because you're called to something doesn't mean you're called to it forever, right? Like it, there's a, there's season. a difference there. There are seasons in your life in this season. This is what I feel like I've been given to do. And I've talked about this before that I used to think that I'd be teaching for my whole life. I think I'll be teaching my whole life. I don't know that I'll be teaching in the capacity of a classroom teacher for the rest of my life because I don't know that that is for me what I am been spiritually called to do in this next season of my life. I see a need um, that I don't see being really met in a whole lot of other places. And it's like, I can help with this. And so if you see a need and you see that it needs to be met, you move into that and then train someone up to take the space that you're already in. And I, you know, that's a lot to say, but I, I, I that's right think people come from or they think teachers have do it because they have off in the summers like which is such a crap answer i, I guess bro and when people go i guess like we that. work overtime all the time and you don't get extra money for it like there's no stipend in the mail because you like stayed and helped somebody or did something or yeah. you know all the money you spend on your own like get out of here with that crap okay so we have two kind of questions that i'm gonna we'll read both of them because i think they embody kind of what you just talked about now cool. you know how much you can say more but um one is one is from someone that I guess didn't want to come on live or, or whatever. Anyway, I'm going to read it. Look, They're I, asking to, to their okay. credit, right? Like, I just want to say it out loud to people, if you don't want to come on, like we created this space so people can come on live. I understand what it's like to come on live, to ask something. Uh, it's why I sit it, on the side. It's it's <laughs> awkward or you don't want to be on there or you didn't put, you didn't put makeup on today or fix your hair because it's friggin', you know, there's a reason I have a hat on right now. Um, I, I get that. And so like, or it's just being more anonymous. I it completely understand. So that's what it's about to create a safe space for educators. So okay. cool. So this question I've worked for, I've worked in my school for a few, few years and I've been building up this feeling that it's not the right place for me. It is a private school and I work with a fairly privileged population of students and parents. And sometimes I feel that my impact isn't significant. The very first school I worked in was horrible and nearly made me quit the profession. And I think I have some perhaps justified fear about switching to a new school. I know the grass always looks greener and all of that, but I also know if I'm just being, being a, I also don't know if that, if it's just me being afraid to take a risk or to make the change that I meant to, what would be your advice for knowing when your current job isn't aligning with your life purpose and when it might be time to look for a new school to teach in? This is such a great question. Um, this is so important. Pause. The other person's question is Kim. Um, she said, I'm beginning to question whether I want to continue teaching or if there's something different out there for me. Maybe it's burnout. Maybe it's the rough year. But how do you know when, when to move on? The, I think this is such a great question because I think it's a question that people feel a lot of shame around mm. even asking, even saying out loud. They want to be the teacher. Um, there you go. Thank you. Uh, that they dreamed of being and that teacher taught for 25, 30 years and they stayed in the same school and they never left that classroom and the kids can come like it's, I love, I love this idea. I love this idea of like, I'm in my room for 25 years and I'm teaching kids, kids, kids like, right. Like, or at least like their children and they're coming back later and they're like grown ups and there's, I'm still in the same room and oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm back here again. And like, this is so great. And you're such an important person in my life. Like I, that's, I love when that happens now when kids come back from college or like um, 
seeing kids on Instagram and they're like having babies and getting married. And I'm like, what? Like so exciting. But I think it is about when I say call, like, so for me calling has, there's, there's some religion, there's a religious tie into that, right? Because of my faith, even if that's not your case, even if you're not a person of, of a particular faith, I think that there's this intuition in all of us that we really need to sit with and understand and, and listen to, right? Like I, I just think that intuition is so important um, that if you feel like this isn't the school for you, right? Like go to another school. There is zero chance that if anymore, that if I could, because I've seen it so much, like, let me say this, because I've seen it so much. My boy, Dave Dunsavage, right? Who's a, a hero of education. If you go into the Facebook group, he's like one of the most loving, caring people ever. He just started a new position this year, much more difficult position, new school in the middle of a friggin' pandemic, right? But he's like now, like, uh, he's the assistant principal at a, at a high school. And he is so happy to be there that it was like, he loved where he was before. He loved his students wasn't, didn't feel like it was a particular, like that was the fit for him anymore. Took this leap of faith. He's married, has two kids. Like there's a lot on the line here. Dave makes the switch and finds an immense amount of joy being in this new place. I have heard that story so often. I think when you are by nature, someone that loves what you're doing is passionate about the education. Kids only come first and education's only ever about students. When you feel like teaching is a calling, then when you go to somewhere new, that's the energy you're bringing with you. If you are in the flip of that, if you are in general kind of a miserable person, you hate everything, you find faults in everything and everyone, it's never your fault. You never take the blame, like even when it's, you should. When you're coming out of that energy, um, you're going to, the grass is always greener, but then you get there and everyone, it's like, you know, everyone has some dirty habit that you don't want to know about. So even if we're talking relationships, you can leave your relationship because you saw someone new and hot and you want to, oh yeah, look at that. I'm going to get in on that situation. Then you go there, you find out they have some disgusting habit too, or they do some thing that's weird or, you know, like whatever, like they're not always dressed like that. Sometimes it's just like tracksuit day and guess what? It's old and smells and whatever. Like the, there's always the equivalent of that in education too. Um, but if you are looking for somewhere new, this is the thing I would look for. Uh, my friend Heather was just telling me this the other day too. She's a part of this uh, course I take on leadership. She was saying that she jumped schools um, multiple times. But when it really changed for her was when she started interviewing somewhere and looking for schools that were all about the kids because that's what she cared about. And so then now she's at a school in Philadelphia that she loves, but it is focused on students. So um, that's what you do if you're trying to figure out if their school is not right for you. If, if teaching's not right for you, at its core, what do you want to do? What is the change, excuse me, that you're trying to make in the world? What is the thing that you're trying to do that would really impact the world? Is it young people? Is it English? Is it math? Is it empowerment? Is it social emotional stuff? Is it working as part of a community? Like what is at its core, the thing that you want to do? And I think that leaves you with now does teaching, is it the only thing? Because if it's 
I really loved, I really figured out life through literature because I had this teacher that was a literature teacher and that changed my life, then maybe that's it. Maybe this is like where you need to be and you need to just grow in your craft more. But it is, if it's helping students social emotionally, like this doesn't have to be, the, there's a million other things that you could do besides that. It is unpacking and really sitting with in the quiet, what do I want my life to look like? Uh, and, and I just think that this is the goal for everyone, for everything is like, what is the big picture? What is the dream? What do you feel every day when you wake up? What is the job you're doing? Like, what is the change you're making in the world? Um, and when you get real clear on these kind of big picture things, then you start whittling it down and going, well, what if I like doing, if I love being, so for me, it's like part of it is like, I really love being in front of people. I like the attention. It's like, if I got a freaking YouTube channel, like I don't, I don't mind that. Right. Um, I love helping people. I love helping young people that feel like they're invisible, know that they're visible, know that they're, that they matter and know that their story matters. I love, um, I feel like I've been called to work on the margins, right? There is, there is are like, I love working with folks that have been marginalized and helping them to know that their story matters, that they matter, that their community matters, that their voice matters. It is, it is loving folks, um, that, that, uh, have oftentimes been forgotten about, right? That's something else that's on my plate. There's, there are these things that all lead back to going, no, this is teaching. This is education. This is empowerment. Like for me, teaching is about empowerment of young people. Um, and not just like indoctrinating young people. It's like, no, let's help you next. Like, what do you want to do? Let's dream that out. And then, oh, does school fit into that? Well then game on. Now that's why we're here. It's, it's dealing with some of that stuff for yourself too. So, um, if, and if it's not, if teaching's not for you anymore, don't feel bad about it. You didn't do one thing wrong. You showed up, you loved as hard as you could, and you realized that what your calling was, was, was misaligned and that there's something else for you to do. And then go do that and love those. Those people still need to get love too. Those kids at your new school, if you switch schools, they need love also. Um, but it's finding that right fit for you and, and, and what fits in your life. Um, our time. We I have two more questions on the doctor if you want. Uh, I don't want to hold the team up, but let's. I'll do them. I'll I'll try to do them fast. Do but, them fast. Yeah. Okay. Sean Hughes is asking dream job interview soon. How do I balance including as much positive information about myself, but also not talking their ear off and rambling? So I would say don't talk as much about don't talk about yourself unless you're asked. Um, it's be. I think the answer is be interested instead of trying to be interesting. That's the answer to that question. Um, so show up and share as much as you feel like they're asking. Stick to the point. Stick to their question. Oh, this is really quick. That was quick. You, you did that to that, that question. Was, that, had a, that had a one-liner in it and everything. It's so red in my face. It's really yeah. hot back here. I know. The Go lights ahead. get hot. Dayla Classroom um, is asking, you mentioned the impact of being able to have uncomfortable conversations. What kind of conversations are you talking about and how do you hone that skill? So I think right now, uh, uncomfortable conversations have to do with a lot of different stuff. Like, so right now, race is like one of the biggest conversations, right? And so that's going to look like a lot, that's going to look a lot different for a lot of different people, right? So I was talking on Instagram, I did an interview this week with my friend Michelle from uh, um, Expedition Kids, right? Is that what her thing is? Explanation Kids? I don't know, man. I'm so, Michelle Milbin is her My memory is the worst anymore. I know. I but anyway, it was like, how do you talk about race when you're white and your students are students of color? What do you, how do you talk about 
race when you're black and all your students are white? How do you talk about race when 99% of your students are white and one of them is black? Like what? There's a lot of different things there. I think that um, having difficult conversations is someone that leaves your room a mess, someone that leaves kids on their cell phones and then you come in and you don't want them on their cell phones. What do you do? How do you have conversations with parents about like their kids just aren't towing the line and aren't doing well this year and they're not finding success or they're going to get left back or, or whatever. How do you talk to kids about, I'm about to, I'm about to bring some real truth because I see people placating it and I see people dancing around the issue, but I'm about to come at you with some, with some real rap. Like there, there are a lot of those difficult conversations. I think the way that you have difficult conversations and there was a comment in the Facebook group that I loved so much last week. That I'm going to mention it again where this woman said her answer to somebody and talking about just race, but I think this can go for everything. It is showing up to a conversation and it is, I think, so my part is actively listening. You are listening so intently and so thoroughly to what someone's saying that you can actually repeat it back to them. And then you do, you go, so what I hear you saying is, and then you say back to them what they're saying to make sure that it's clear and to show that you are showing up to listen. You're not just thinking about what you want to say next. Just put like, I just pray about that and put it out there. And then I'm only listening to what you're saying. The second thing is showing up. And this is her point in the Facebook group, which was show up with humility and curiosity, right? You're not showing up just because someone says something about you doesn't mean it's true. Just because you think something about someone else doesn't mean that it's true. But if we can show up humbly, right? Like not feeling ourselves um, and being curious, asking questions. Oh, that's interesting that you say that. That's interesting that you think I do that or that you think I act that way. Let me ask you some further questions. And they cannot be passive aggressive. It has to be you actually looking to dig a little bit deeper to see if this is something that you can help, something that you can do, something that can change. And then when you have something to say to someone that you don't like, it's helping them as much as possible to unpack that stuff as, as well. Like you're trying to, you're being curious and wondering where this is coming from and what you all can do because the end goal is only to succeed. The end goal is only to find a peace in that, right? Um, and I think that's what uncomfortable conversations can look like. And it is uncomfortable, but I'm telling you, they just get easier. Like they just, you start figuring out ways where I'm not here to argue, like having an uncomfortable conversation isn't about showing up to argue, showing up to complain, showing up to like drop the mic on some shit. Like it's really showing up to understand and to move forward. And that's what you want to do. Not so short, but I did it. Cool. Look, before we jump out of here, gang, I really, really um, want to just uh, thank everyone. First of all, I really appreciate all of this stuff. Like I appreciate the people that join the Facebook group and the people that follow us on Instagram and all that stuff, the people that are buying merch. Like I said, I, I appreciate it. Um, if this summer, if your school is looking for anyone that uh, like they need a book, your PLC needs a book, your grade level needs a book, your team needs a book. Um, this side teacher class off is available everywhere. Books are sold. If you buy them in bulk, right? So let's say, I think it's 10 or more. Um, contact us at realwrapwithreynolds.com. I get you a discount because books bought in bulk are significantly cheaper than they are on like Amazon or Target or anywhere else that books are sold. Um, but if you, uh, so that's, that's one thing. Also, if your school's looking for anyone to do professional development for someone to speak, we're doing, we're setting all those up now. So like, um, the, so there's, if you go to my website, if your administration needs information, 
Go to realrapwithreynolds.com and you can find all the different topics that I speak about and all the different professional development opportunities. Um, and if you need any clarity around that, just you can send us a message right through the website or by emailing me at realrapwithreynolds at gmail.com. I'd be happy to help anyone out. The goal for what we're doing here is to help teachers be the teachers they dreamed of being, the, the teachers that they are called to be. So if there's anything we can do for you to help you do that, please let us know and we'd be happy to do it. Um, and that's it, gang. We'll see you next week, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Peace. Adios. I really didn't have that set up because I was going to hit the thing and then oh. it was going to be so seamless. And sometimes I just don't. Let's take it out with Kev. Let's hear. Let's just listen to to uh, Barry go, Sleepy Kid. Because <laughs> I love how he says Sleepy Kid right here. Later. <laughs>